Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, Episode 21. I'm Ainsley Arment, and today I'm joined by a special guest for a heartwarming conversation about life, motherhood, and homeschooling. We talk about setting aside time to rest and finding rhythms that bring peace and predictability to our days. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. from following her family's adventures on Instagram. Our good friend and fun-loving co-host Tina Ingold is in Los Angeles this month chasing their dream of having an apparel shop in Venice Beach. She'll be joining us again in August, but in the meantime, we have a special conversation to share with you. I recently sat down with Sally Clarkson, who will be speaking at our Wild and Free conference this September. She is a wife to her hubby Clay and the mother of four lovely grown children, all homeschooled and pursuing their own endeavors around the world. Sally is also the best-selling author of many, many books, some of which you have probably read. Educating the Wholehearted Child, Own Your Life, Desperate, The Life-Giving Home, and Different, to name just a few. She's a dear and unexpected friend, and I'm always surprised in the best way by her authenticity. This is part one of our conversation, and you're going to love the wonderful nuggets Sally shares with us. Let's listen in. You are going to be speaking at the Wild and Free Conference in Nashville this September, and we are so thrilled to have you and really excited to hear what you're going to share with us. So many of these moms have probably read your books over the years, but can you remind us just about your family and a little bit about your kids and uh, what you're up to these days? I'm so happy to be with you, Ainsley. We had the most wonderful dinner meeting last uh, fall when I was in Virginia, and I felt like if we were next door to each other, we would never get anything done. It's so much fun to talk with you, and I feel like we have the same heart and I'm so honored to be in your space because I love what you do and I think even calling everything wild and free is so brilliant. I wish I had called my ministry wild and free because it's such a great concept. (laughs) Well, you were. You were probably one of the original wild and free mamas. (laughs) I was. That's why I love what you do so much. Well, I'm a happy mom of my children. They are definitely have grown into, as adults, my best friends. Mm -hmm. And I have Sarah who is in her early 30s and she just graduated from Oxford and she is all a bubble with ideas and concepts and book ideas and it's so much fun to have cultivated your own best friends in your home mm. and that's what she is I just got I back that. from seeing her and uh, she is married to Thomas who is also uh, focusing on theology in Oxford and then I have Joel who is a resident musician all of them love music and do music but he went to Berkeley College of Music and became a film composer and he does choral music but he also does voiceovers and reads lots of books and he's such a fun companion for me he'll be I think it's in our genetics or in the water or something Mm -hmm. but he's going to be studying theology in St. Andrews next year I think all of our kids grew up with all these ideas Mm -hmm. they want to spend their the rest of their lives pursuing teaching them and there is Nathan who's my ADHD ODD OCD and a different guy and you and I talked about that this year and 
oh, I just adore him. I talk to him every day. He's an actor, filmmaker. He made a film, created it, wrote it, produced it, and now he's producing another film. Oh. He also authored different, and he's also authoring another book. So I identify with him a lot because he can't not think of something new to do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's my writer, actor, film guy, and he is moving home for a few months from New York and then probably pursuing some more projects in Hollywood again. And then I have Joy. I had three children, three miscarriages, and at 42, Nathan said, my Mom, I think you need to have another little girl. And that's who Joy is. And she is studying at St. Andrews and is in graduate school. And also, she's really my twin, but she is kind of speaker writer, loves mentoring people. And so it's a lot of fun to have excuses to go over and visit my children during these several years living in the United Kingdom. And hi to all you United Kingdom people. I love you. (laughs) Yes, we have a lot of them. It's so neat to hear about your kids. And I know we'll talk more about some of those things later. These moms want to know, not only did you see that coming, but also ways that we can think and prepare now for resting in the journey that we're on. As your children have grown, I still see you as a great voice in the homeschooling community. What are some things that you're working on right now? Well, I will tell you that I am so happy to be speaking at your conference in the fall because I love homeschooling. I love what it does for families, for children, for minds. I'm very thankful for the opportunity. Uh, I kind of consider even that what I do with moms helps train and inspire and educate them with ideas that will help shape their children's imaginations, their moral foundations, their schooling, because I really feel like what I'm about as a person and even what I'm working on now, I really want to help educate and inspire women so that they can become excellent resources in their homes in order to be able to give an organic and a deep education, a thoughtful education, rather than just uh, responding to formulas. So I, I really love being a part of both worlds, but my hope is that I can also inspire and encourage women who don't even know anything about this world to maybe consider it because yeah. I love it. And I think I was telling you before we, uh, it's always mo- more fun to talk with all of my friends that I do podcasts with even before, before the show. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you and I had such fun talking and I just returned from being in London and in Oxford with my two girls and I just am amazed at them because they're both definitely standing on my shoulders. In other words, they have a more opportunities. They have a, a better mind, a better heart and soul because I think they were educated better than I was because I didn't get to homeschool. So what am I working on? I am working on a, or a book that's going to come out pretty soon in October that I'm real excited about. I keep refining my books more and more as I go into messages because of all the women who talk to me. It's about a life-giving table mm-hmm. and nurturing faith through feasting every single day. And I will be talking about this more later on. But when you realize that you'll probably have twenty to 25,000 meals with your children in their lifetime. And when you realize the amount of meals you have, understanding the importance of intentionally making that time when people love to eat, they love fellowship. It's a time of resting in the day. It's a time of coming together as friends and of being comforted. It's such a strategic time to have very specific goals in your mind about how can I cultivate a safe place at my table and make my children the best friends? And how can I cultivate conversation that will stimulate their understanding of the world or of stories of moral foundations of convictions? How can I 
make our table a place of comfort and so on and so forth. So that's something I'm working on some of the messages that I'll be giving in the next few months. So I've loved that because oftentimes people will say to me, how did you raise these children who are all writing and thinking and doing theology and and writing books and speaking? And I think, honestly, I only hoped that would happen. (laughs) It it looked pretty messy at the time, you know, you're, you're at the dinner table trying to say something profound and you say, I don't care if he got the bigger piece of pie. You can have it tomorrow night. Listen to what I'm saying. So it's not, you know, it oh, wasn't. Your kids do that too. Thing. They're human. Okay, that makes me feel uh, so much yeah. better. <laughs> well, what I mean is, you know, you have these aspirations in your heart, and Clay and I were very intentional. We did eat meals together at breakfast and dinner at least, and we tried to make our table. We thought a lot about making it a place of the life of ideas, the life of our faith in God, the life of all that we value. And um, now I look back and I think all the kids would say that was the primary igniting point for stimulating them because it wasn't attached to an assignment. Mm -hmm. It wasn't attached to a duty. It wasn't attached to a law. But it was the organic life that we shared together. And the second part of that, which is what I'm also working on, is I feel that you can't come to the table with great ideas, with an understanding of how to mentor, with a depth of heart, unless you are cultivating yourself. Unless you are spending time saying, I'm going to see if I can find wise women to become friends with and ask them a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to always be sure that I'm reading a book or that I have an interest, whether it's gardening, sewing, writing books, nursing. It doesn't matter, but I think that you draw from your own resources of heart constantly. Your children do, your friends do, and you have to be sure that you're building your resources and having time for pleasure and having time for friendships especially. Another project I'm working on is actually about friendships and how to cultivate excellent friendships that call you to be the best person that you can be. So I've always got a lot going and it's my hope that my podcast will help women cultivate and create life in themselves so that they will be able to keep afresh the vision that God wants them to have Mm. or that they can have for their own lives. A big thing for our community, it is for me, it is for so many women that I talk to and hear from on a daily and weekly basis, it's just that feeling of being alone, even if they have maybe a co-op that they go to, but just kind of a Mm -hmm. lot of these moms don't even have that, but even more so craving those deep friendships. How do you begin to cultivate? friendships like that, Sally? I think that we have become used to being lonely and isolated and trying as hard as we can to find some kind of meaning through relationships or some kind of personal validation online. And I think that to have a humane relationship with a real person requires intentionality and it doesn't come quickly. I think another thing probably both you and I feel and and a lot of women listening to us feel is that in general, the culture doesn't hold our values or support or affirm them. And so it's really hard to find someone who is, I will say, wild and free because I really lived into living by faith in terms of believing forward into what my home was becoming, believing forward into what my children were becoming without any actual ability to measure that, but believing that what I was doing was really bringing life. And so I think that a lot of women who live this very highly idealistic, convicted life must feel lonely. So I would say 
I've never almost been in a group that I didn't have to start myself. Whether it was, you know, putting out an email to a group or to friends and saying, hey, I want to have a book club or let's get together for tea or coffee once a month or a potluck at my house and talk. We've tried to write all of our books with study guides so that women can either read a chapter aloud together at night because it helps to, first of all, be intentional, but then secondly, to be moving in the direction of the ideals and ideas that you want to shape your life so that you can actually shape friends down a similar road of concepts. Does that make sense? In other words, having not just an empty group, though those are fun sometimes too, just to go out and do something. And we always included that in the small groups I had at my house. We would always just do fun things together. But I think you have to create it because when I look at most of my meaningful relationships now at my age, I'm in almost 64 this summer, there are a few friends that have stuck my whole life. We have made commitments to each other. We call each other. We live all over the world. We say words of affirmation and we share hearts and I have made it a goal of mine to see them. Uh, I was listening to a message not too long ago from a friend, another man who has worked in ministry for a long time. And he said, if you want to have deep friendships in your 60s and 70s, then you need to choose friends at an earlier point in life and plan when you will have a weekend or a special significant traditional yearly time with them, how you will stay in touch and call them on a regular basis, and how you will cultivate that because that's the people who will be there for you as you get older. And they'll be like family and maybe family that you never had. So I've been pretty intentional in the past few years about trying to make time for a very close inner circle group of people because none of us have too much time. You know, I have this sweet group of women in Colorado Springs and we almost have nothing in common. We don't go to the same church. We don't even homeschool the same way. We have different personalities, different ages. But for about 10 years, we've met as a group. And through that group, we've seen people go through cancer, through surgeries, through difficulties with their children. You just don't know what you're going to be going through. But because we meet on a regular basis, this really motley group of women has really worked side by side with me in ministry. And because we made it regular, we have grown deeper roots Mm -hmm. in each other's lives. And truly, there's no group that I know that's so different than we are, but we just kept at it. It was just the commitment and the loyalty to knowing that down the line it was going to be something very rich and beautiful. I know it's a funny thing. I bought four rocking chairs and a double rocking chair, and I put it on my front porch. And making space and time, I will invite at least one person a week, even in my busiest weeks, and say, come sit with me on the front porch and let's have a cup of tea and talk. I love that. Are you sitting on your front porch right now? I'm actually not because I don't have a plug outside. Oh, I heard birds (laughs) chirping, so I thought... Oh, uh, well, I do have the windows open. I'm yeah. looking out this big window, but yeah, I'm sorry about the birds, but maybe they add ambiance. I don't oh, know. no, it adds wonderful ambiance. We always say it's just like a talk on the front porch. So, <laughs> well, you know. I normally do record out there actually, but no, my computer was out of batteries because it <laughs> left all its batteries in England. And so I had to plug it inside today. <laughs> I was thinking that the birds just added to it. I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> well, I love what you said about friendship. Just the idea of cultivating yourself is such an important thing, I think, especially for home homeschool moms because we are really stretched a lot of the time and feel like we're just hanging on by the skin of our teeth most days. And Mm -hmm. how in the world do you find time for yourself? How did you do that when you were raising four kids with the full gamut of personalities and issues of homeschooling and parenting and being a 
wife and mother? It is a marathon. It is a long, 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 long term race and it's never over. I think so far I've only had four days when we didn't have one of our kids in the house with us because they move in all these places overseas where they have to have a home to come home to. Mm -hmm. But I guess I have to say one of the biggest factors is that I did embrace the wild and free life. I didn't do everything that everybody told me to do. I realized the first time we had all three of our children in sports, we had them in, this is just my puzzle, not yours, but we had three of our children at once in basketball. Almost killed me. We had, (laughs) I think we were gone something like six nights a week because they all had different games at different times. And of course, during that time, they all got chicken pox, eventually encephalitis. I mean, it was just a terrible season, but I began to realize, I can't do this. And that's when we started seeing how many things can we be involved in and what are we going to do as a family? We're kind of a one for all and all for one sort of group. So I think you have to simplify. Clay and I are musicians and we are literary and you will never come to us to do your accounting or the building of your house. So we focused on the strengths that we had. We got outside help for the strengths we didn't have. I think, too, it's putting rhythms in your life, things that happen every day, no matter what, one break at a time. And so every morning I get up, I have a quiet time by myself, my cup of tea with some books. Sometimes all I do is sit there because my brain is so empty, but it's still what I do before I get going. I will sit there and have a cup of tea with the purpose of hopefully reading something, whether it's a devotional book or scripture or a biography that I'm reading and just have time to settle my heart before I move into my day. We always made our meals an anchor in our day when we knew we would get together and whatever we didn't get done. For instance, if I had a whole bunch of homeschooling I was going to do in the morning and the washer broke, then at 12 noon, I would just close the page on that day. I wouldn't try to do it in the afternoon. I would just say, oh, well, didn't get it done today. (laughs) moved into my afternoon and and I would also leave the worry of not doing enough behind Mm -hmm. because I I cultivated a big belief that my home was enough and that it didn't need to look a certain way or do certain things every day and I looked at interruptions when they had to have those heartfelt lectures (laughs) you know you were you're intending to read a great story and you say do you understand how important relationships are you know and when they would have a lecture I would just say oh well that's what our um, school was today it was a big deal in our family for my sake that every afternoon we called it the tea time it didn't matter if it was 1 30 or 2 or 3 or whatever everybody would go for a quiet half hour to their room and I put baskets of books in the kids rooms for them to read through and I'd reward them greatly for reading through those books I had gifts toys outings that they could earn because I needed them to sit still in their room without me mm-hmm. so that I could have 15 minutes by myself I kept some magazines some books but that was my time to have my second cup of tea. I'm probably an introvert more than people would know. And I just needed to have some time when I could reflect on myself. This is uh, something I learned from Nathan too. Nathan said, you know, I feel kind of guilty because I only read about eight to 10 books a year. And I said, what? Most people don't even read one book a year. In the world, do you get to that? And he said, well, I have a time every day where I read 20 minutes every day from a book. I also went on walks every day because I'm a high adrenaline person. And also it got our kids out. A very important rhythm for me is Saturday mornings in general, not every time. I made a habit many years ago to go out for breakfast early in the morning because that's my thing. It doesn't mean it has to be your thing. You come up with something different. And then I would go for a walk in these beautiful little Victorian homes. But 
for me, knowing that I had a chance to go either by myself or that's when I would take the kids because as adults, they became my best friends. We loved going for our morning, secret mornings away. So for many years, it was Sarah. For the past few years, it's been Joy. This year, it's Joel. When Nathan's here, I do it with him. But it gives me a way to say, okay, no matter what else hasn't been done, I'm going to go have fun times on Saturday mornings away. And Clay would make breakfast wherever else was home. But it was just planning into my schedule tiny little bits of what I needed to cultivate myself. Going on trips occasionally, going to museums, doing whatever that would be fun for me. I would look for fun things to do. Well, speaking of the cleanup or whatever, every day around 5, 5.30-ish, I would put on a loud, rocking music sort of songs and give everybody a room to tame like you take the kitchen you take the den and everything had a place to go like you know books went into certain piles so that before we started our evening we had this little anchor of working at least 10 minutes on here take the clean clothes upstairs in a basket so that everybody can distribute it later just having that anchor too because housework isn't my favorite thing i'm not great at it but i can't stand a messy house yeah So that was another rhythm, but it's building rhythms into your life. And I actually have to say that I did go very early in my lifetime out on Saturday mornings because Clay and I created that as an expectation when the kids were young because I was this older single when I had my kids and I thought, please, can I just have a little time by myself? And sometimes he would just take them out to, you know, someplace really excellent like McDonald's (laughs) 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 or let him play in the playground or take him to the park or take him, you know, to some kind of a nature walk. But that gave me a couple of hours at home every week in general. So it's building things into your life that suit the goals of your life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just being intentional too about communicating with your spouse because I feel like so many times moms feel like they don't have this time when really I bet their spouse would be super supportive if they just express their desires and maybe their need for doing this. We love to homeschool. It's why we do it. And I think our spouses are supporting that and they don't necessarily always realize Mm -hmm. that you need that time alone too just because you love it and are fulfilled by it in that way. I know Ben is always like, just tell me, just tell me what, you know, do you want to go out right now? Do you need time alone? You know, I think they're just dying to support us because they want us to be healthy and happy and fulfilled and it helps our marriages to be that way too so you know I used to worry about it like doing meaningful things and I think life doesn't have to be meaningful every moment Mm -hmm. the thing that the kids remember is Clay would take them to a Cracker Barrel and get them these big peppermint sticks because I wouldn't allow them to have them because I was allergic to peppermint and it gave me a headache. So they remember we got to steal peppermint sticks away from you, mom, and we got to have them in the park. You know, I realize a lot of people idealize their husbands engaging in homeschooling Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's where the family table can come about, but the moms usually even have to cultivate that. But I think if a dad even just will take your children away from you once in a while that's such a gift to your overall Mm well-being in other words don't require them to teach your children greek and latin to say hey i need a little break this week (laughs) or to go meet a friend because if you're next to her you might need more girlfriend time or you know whatever you want to do paint your nails i don't know trying to figure out a way to make it happen is going to build into your life over a long period of time Thanks so much for joining us today, Sally. We can't wait to see you in Nashville this September. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But friends, there's more to this conversation. So join us next week for the Wild and Free podcast.